Well, I can see we're a little sparse this morning, but that's okay. Um, I sort of expected that, to be honest with you. And this isn't an incrimination on anybody who couldn't come. Uh, it's not an incrimination on anybody. It's just a statement. So I want to tread lightly, um, but I'm not going to apologize for the word that I'm going to share this morning because that would make it sound like it's not the right word, but it is the right word. And uh, as, as is typical, I had a different word when I laid my head down on the pillow last night, and I got a different word in the middle of the night multiple times. And uh, then it was confirmed as somebody sent me something um, in the middle of the night. And so we have been on a journey, and those of you who have been on that journey for a while, it started 100 days before New Year's. In prayer, the Lord called us to prayer, um, just so those who are catching up to us, and I want to welcome those of you who are online, wherever you're at, and those who join in later, uh, that this, we had no idea that it would take us right up to New Year's Eve when the Lord announced it here on the altar. We had no idea why. And then the very next word we got uh, that day, uh, that first Sunday as we came back together was the place of next. And we have been taking that journey in the place of next and almost amazingly bewildering in a way that is beyond comprehension. Um, I said both here and to a, a larger audience that I realized that this vision of the place of next and that the vision God had shown me and that we were sharing was not just for myself, not just for this church, not just for Touch Heaven Ministry, not just for this nation, but that it was a shift in the world. And lo and behold, shortly thereafter, the shift began. From the same altar on uh, a Sunday, and I shared with you that in that shift, the Lord had put into my spirit and my heart that the spirit of delusion that had been prophesied by was being released in the earth and that it was going to get stronger and stronger and that with it would come reckless lawlessness. Little did I know three days later that the Floyd incident would happen and we would find ourselves in the midst of chaos in this country even as it permeates into other countries. We're a little insulated here, but just so you know, um, there are some very strong protests in Israel trying to tear down that prime minister. Uh, there are protests in other countries around the world. People are still sheltered in. Um, there was literally a taking over of Hong Kong in the midst of all of this, and the world and the leaders, even though they shook it a little bit, didn't protest too much because everybody's having their own problems. Um, and in the midst of all of that, we have insurrection in this country, and I'm going to call it what is, it's insurrection. There are just causes, and there's insurrection, and it's insurrection. And it's being funded with billions of dollars going to places that we really can't determine where it's at. And its entire intent is to radically unseat and change the government of this country. And this is where it hits the spot that we must talk about. 
It is also to dislodge the place of the church here in this country. Beloved, whether you understand it or not, you have been under attack for quite a while, but now you are gasping for breath. And I'm going to share that with you a little bit, and I'm probably going to get pretty radical over the next few weeks and months, so if you have a problem with me in that, you know, strap on, and um, you could always go someplace a little more mild, a little more comfortable where you can hide, Uh, but you won't hide for long, because if you love your Lord and you want to preserve your faith, you're going to have to become radical for your faith. You're going to have to become willing to share and do some things. Thank you. I appreciate that. You're going to have to listen, discern, and make a decision in your life. And I'm uh, unleashing a clarion call, just as we did from this altar for the things that were about to come. I'm unleashing a clarion call worldwide that says, the body of Christ needs now to become militant in our faith. Now, let me define our militancy. Our militancy isn't the militancy of the world. Our militancy is that we refuse to be removed from assemblage. Our militancy is is that we will not denounce the things of our God, that we will not conform to the things of the secular world or to religious factions that do not adhere to the Word of God, to the spirit of faith, and are unwilling to stand up in courage in these times that we have been raised and born into. Now, there's a real vivid choice for the body of Christ. And you've heard me say it for a long time, and I'm going to emphasize it again, that all the body of Christ isn't the body of Christ. Uh, Just as Jesus, when he spoke out and he said, you say Abraham's your father, but your father is the devil, he was basically telling the Jewish people, his kin, his people in that hour and that day, you're really not Jews. You just say you are. You're not Hebrews who are adhering to the God of Israel. You're not Israelites. And he likened them unto heathen, and not even heathen that were ignorant and didn't know about God. He made it worse. He said, you're vipers and you're snakes. You're the blind leading the blind. You're taking people over pits. You're destroying them, and you've been trusted with the things of God, and basically he was letting them know that he considered them to be the enemy of God. So we fight two factions. We fight the world system, and we fight the religious system. And that's nothing new. That's an age-old battle that goes all the way back to when Abraham was called out of worshiping the moon and came out with a fire that there was another God, that this was the true and living God, and then began the exodus, the journey to understand who he was. So this morning, I want to share some very, very pointed things with you. And I want us to understand that we have decisions to make today, tomorrow, until the last gasp of breath that each and every one of us has. Please accept that this new norm is not normal. Please accept that it's not going to stop with a vaccine that takes control of some virus. Uh, You may have waves, and waves may be more intense than other waves, but once this spirit of lawlessness has been loosed in the earth, 
It shall not subside until the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. There will be a lot of discussions about peace. People will vote for peace. People will pursue peace. People will say that peace is more important than persecution. Peace has more value than standing up and fighting against the stream of the consolation of what would be called familiarity and hiding in the systems that we're presented with. So, you can ignore it and you could want to believe what you see in mainstream media. Uh, scientists are guessing, but yet at the same time they're setting new laws and norms and standards, maybe with good intentions and maybe with bad intentions some. But let us not ignore some facts that are those of us who are here in the West with this church today in the United States with an influence that Christianity has that comes from the United States and the Americas throughout the world. Hebrews 12, verses 27 through 29. Now this, yet once more. Think about that a moment. Yet once more. Yet once more indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken as of the things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Now, there certainly is a shaking going on, and it's intentional. And you can want to argue, you know, does a good God allow bad things to happen? I'd say, get away from that nonsense and grow up, would you please? You can have all of those theological discussions that you want to have. The bottom line is God is sovereign. And he does nothing but that his prophets have not foretold it. And he has been very clear about these days. He hasn't left anything unturned. The only thing that brings confusion to it is when people want to put their own handprints on the prophecies of God. And we get a lot of that these days. That I confess. And that my heart is very sad about. Too many prophecies that are idle in the wind, that fall with leaves and out of season, that have no life to them. They don't plant seeds. It's hard to understand how people are still publishing in this hour. The same people who published that this virus was going to mysteriously uh, 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 eliminate and disappear at Easter, and then they pushed it to Pentecost, and now they're just saying that this is your year, and the windows of heaven are open for blessings. Well, the windows of heaven, beloved, are always open for blessings of those of us who know Jesus Christ. I don't need a moment for those windows to open. I need to know that I'm the righteousness of Christ, just as you do, and because we are, the abundance of Christ is always intended for us. We don't need false words that try to motivate us to believe that there's some other solution that's coming because of a day that somebody proclaims. Christmas is a wonderful day, but Christmas doesn't change my faith. Easter is a wonderful day, but my faith isn't dependent upon somebody proclamating that something's going to happen on Easter when I know that whatever that day was that Christ resurrected, he's already happened. And so we want to take our eyes off of those things and understand that everything is being shaken so that some things will not remain. Some things are intended to fall. Some people are intended to be put in a pressure cooker. Some systems 
are intended to be eliminated forever, not to come back again. And the enemy of our soul, the enemy of our faith, the enemy of our Christ, the spirit of the Antichrist, which is alive on this earth this day, he is intending to do everything he can to quench the assemblage of the people of God. And we need to understand that it, the Lord has made it so vivid to us, so vivid to us. Friday, Friday, right at the end of the day, which is usually when somebody releases something in this government that they hope gets lost in the news cycle. At the end of the day, Friday, our Supreme Court said that they were within their right in Nevada to say that churches could not assemble with more than 50 people, and the chief justice, the chief justice, the supposed conservative, was the one that flipped the vote five to four, the same one I warned you about in 2016. So what happened? Everybody's quiet. I'm praying, my prayer has been that every pastor in Nevada will say, we're meeting this Sunday, we're meeting every Sunday. In fact, I wish somebody would donate $100 a person just to come to church. I know that sounds radical. But isn't it odd? The casinos can go to half numbers. Five, 10, 15,000. The restaurants can go to half numbers. And by the way, who's counting half in the casinos? But the church is 50 and under. The governor of California, he shut them down completely. Shut the churches down again, completely. And we had that, that mischief trying to happen here in this state. And yes, we were caught off guard, weren't we? We were caught suddenly, even though we knew what was going on. We were caught. We believed the statistics. We believed the numbers. They had fear in our hearts that people were going to be dying like flies all around us, and anything we touched would give us a disease. We were afraid to go out. In fact, they said, don't go outside. It's bad for you. Go figure that one out. Wear a mask. Don't wear a mask. Don't get together. Get together. So we even, here in this church, we backed off. Well, we didn't say come, but we didn't say not to come for three weeks. And then finally I said no more because I realized that just like everybody else, we were beginning to subscribe to what the enemy wants to do, and that's to forsake the assemblage of the saints. And to have people, you know, we're a very, very type of a breed that gets comfortable with habit and ritual and tradition. And we don't like to break it, so now there's a new habit. Don't go to church. Don't go to church is the new habit. And by the way, if you do, oh, you don't respect other people. Really? You don't respect other people. Listen, I'm not going to defend Walmart or Target. I could give two belly hoots about all of that. But I am going to defend the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I am going to defend all the assemblage of the church in the ecclesia. And I'm going to tell you something. It's not the first time that governments have attempted to stop the assemblage of churches. What it is, is it's the first time that people are having to make a decision that belong in this country. But if you were in China, you wouldn't have to make a decision. You know you're putting your life on the line to go to church. And in the former Soviet Union, it was that way. And I was arrested there because I was bringing comfort to Christians. In many areas of the world, people cannot assemble. But here, here we make a decision that, 
Oh, we don't want to disrespect our fellow citizens. Really? Who put that lie upon us? People that don't go to church. Who put that lie upon us? People who feel that we're foolish. Who put that lie upon us? People who believe that we're too fundamental for the better good. You know the greatest fundamentalist that ever lived? His name is Jesus Christ. He is the Word of God. That's super fundamental, isn't it? Huh. Super fundamentalist. Jesus Christ. So, I really got inspired by a message that was released Friday night by John MacArthur. And John MacArthur had to make a decision for his church. And you know, he's an old general. He's 82 years old. 82 years old, and he's got fight in him. And you know, something happens. The older you get, you, you begin to care a little bit less about what people think. It just happens. I don't know why, but it comes with age. You just don't care anymore what people think. Because you're maybe a little closer to your time with the Lord. Maybe that's part of it. And maybe the other part of it is that you've lived long enough to realize that what they think doesn't really matter in your life. And that it was foolish to try and conform to that. So he wrote something he titled, Christ, not Caesar, is head of the church. And for his church, sitting over there in Sun Valley, he said, we're not shutting down. We're having church this Sunday. First and foremost, I agree with him that Christ is Lord of all. And he is the head of our church. Beloved, the governor of California, the chief justice of the Supreme Court, the governor of Ohio, they are not the head of the church of Jesus Christ. And they are not the head of this church. Jesus Christ is the head of this church. He's sovereign. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's the one who appoints those in position and he takes them down. He is said to render unto Caesar's what Caesar's, but to render unto the Lord what is the Lord's. So Caesar has no right to take what is ours from God. And we're not taking what is Caesar's. We're not squandering any government money here. We're not squandering the Constitution here. In fact, we're trying to defend the Constitution here. And so here we have those who want to legislate it with not going to Congress, but doing it in some state. And now the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court on a Friday night, shame on you, sir. You release it and you go hide in a rock, but we're not going to let you hide. We're calling you out and holding you accountable, Chief Justice Roberts. We're holding you accountable unto the Lord, and we're holding you unaccountable to this country. And sir, if you cannot defend the Constitution for our religious rights, then do us all a favor and resign. And you can do whatever else you would like to do. And I mean what I say, and I'm going to say what I mean, and you're going to hear more from me. Because I realize if we don't speak out, if we don't stand, if we don't fire up the body of Christ, we're going to lose the right to assemble, and then you're going to be persecuted to assemble. What's next? The common cold? Don't go to church. There's a cold. Don't go to church. Whatever happened about the flu? Huh? 
Whatever. Yes, I understand this thing is a little manipulated. I'm the first one that shared with you publicly. And the first one who shared from a pulpit, it was me and Tom Cotton, early in January, that said this thing came out of, the, uh, out of Wuhan. And it came out of a P4 lab. And that it was manufactured. And that it was being sent throughout the earth. Go listen to it. So I understand all of that. But it doesn't matter. Nothing that's manufactured, no weapon that is formed against you can prosper. Now, you either accept it or you don't. And as it says in Romans 8, the law of the life of the Spirit of Christ is ours. The law of the life of the Spirit is ours. Now, I'm not saying be reckless. No. Be wise. Wash your hands. Be clean. Wear masks. I'm good with them and without them. I don't care. But that's my faith. That's who I am. But I've been that way a long time. I didn't just turn that way. I've walked into hospital rooms where they've had infectious signs up. My wife, with her mouth gasped open, I said, get out of here. I'm not going to go scare that person and tell them Jesus has come to heal them and then have them with a big mask like they're somehow they can't be touched. I've had people dying in my arms of AIDS and of diseases I don't know in Africa, praying for them, and in Egypt, and in the Arabic countries, and the fluids from their bodies seeping into my body and into my hands, and their spit hitting me in the face, and God has preserved me every time because of the law of the life of the Spirit of Christ. So be emboldened, beloved. Be careful, but be bold. Your, your, your Lord and Savior promised you that nothing could harm you. The only thing that can tear down that faith is fear. And let me tell you, we're getting a good dose of it every hour right now. Be afraid, be afraid, be afraid. And you know, I feel for people who are afraid. I understand. I understand. Let me tell you, if I let my guard down, I get afraid too. The minute they come out with something else, it's like, oh boy. You have to overcome one more statistic. Don't let the children go to school. But isn't it interesting that even the statisticians have come out and said they don't have one example in the whole world of a child infecting a teacher? In the whole, who can believe that? How did they figure that one out? But even the, the, the media is saying that. But don't let the children go to school. You know why? Because that's one way that you begin to disassemble the nuclear family. Hold the people back. Let the parents have to stay home. Divide the parents some more. Put them under stress. Brainwash them. Put them in fear. Take away their education. Take away their fellowship. And now they're saying, stay out of the church. What is left? Baseball? Baseball's left? Hmm? The NFL? I'm going to tell you something. I'll say it publicly and I'll say it here. You will not catch this, this born-again Jew watching one NFL game this year. Not one. Not one. You know why? It's not because I don't agree that there's a cause of racial injustice. I don't agree with stripping the nuclear family. I don't agree with the fact that, that men don't, shouldn't be fathers. And I don't agree with the fact that transgender is the new norm for our society. And I don't agree with the fact, I, I resent somebody calling me comrade. You know why? Because it wasn't too good for Jews when they were listening to people saying comrade. It was never a good word to hear. You knew what was coming after that. Kill the Jews. Comrade? Really? 
Read the Black Lives manage, m mission statement. Comrade, comrade, comrade. Not one mention of a male or a father, but a lot of mention about transgender and replacing the nuclear family. Do you see what's going on? These are the days of Elijah to turn the hearts of the children of the father and the fathers to the children. But if you eliminate the fathers, there's no heart to change. You see what's at, at stake here? So, so quietly on a Friday night, the chief justice makes a decision and crawls into his hole, hoping that people like me will be caught off guard and be quiet. But we're going to fire up. We're not going to be set still. We are going to stir people up, and we're going to determine and determine and determine and determine, and we're going to talk, and we're going to talk, and we're going to pray, and we're going to pray. And you know what? They want to shut me down? Shut me down. Try. And I'm not sitting here telling you arrogantly. I'm calling out the pastors everywhere to stand up and say enough is enough. It's time for shepherds to be shepherds. And that lie all started with the separation of church and state, which was never intended to be separated. That is not in our Bill of Rights. That is not in our Constitution. Do you know who the black robes were? Those were your Protestants, and yes, they were mostly white. We can't, we can't erase that history. That's who they were. But they were upset that their right to assemblage was being taken away. And they became the officers. They became the officers in that first army. And they would take off their black robes after a Sunday service, and they would all tell the men, grab your arms, we're going to fight. And they would go and fight for the religious right. And they would come back when they could to Sunday and have another service. Pastors need to fight. People need to fight. If not, we're going to lose it. By God, we're not going to lose it unless we're quiet. You know what is so sad about Friday night? I mean, we've had some bad stuff come out of that court in the last couple years. But you know what was so sad about it? There's no other court to go to to restore the Constitution. It has to happen in Congress, and they're not going to do it. There's no other court to go to except to the court that's in heaven. Our Lord already adjudicated it. So, beloved, this country's in a desperate position. This court has already carved the church out of the First Amendment. Think about it. Think about it. How many of you know what the First Amendment says? Hmm? Have you read it? Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion. Isn't it interesting that's the very first statement in the First Amendment? Or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. Or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press. Or the peaceable right of assembly and the petition for, to, rede to redress grievances. Very interesting. 11 o'clock, right up the street, another rally, Black Lives Matter rally, Canfield, Ohio. Very interesting. That's an assembly. That's an assembly. But our kids can't assemble for a football game. But now the churches aren't supposed to assemble. The churches are being cut out of assemblage. You understand that. But protests aren't. 
Now listen, I'm all in favor of protests. I'm okay with protests, peaceful protests. That, that's part of that constitution. But I want my share of that constitution. I want it for the church. I want the assemblage of the church. I want to understand how you disassociate the church from that constitutional right. On what grounds, Mr. Chief Justice, do you do that? Of course, it was one of those things that they released and they gave no description with. Typically, the Chief Justice will give you a, an understanding. Nothing came out, just some dissents from a couple of the Christians that were there, at least feared God and said, we can't do this. But those fell to the earth. Taken away our right to assemblage. It's going to get worse, beloved. It's not going to get better. There's always a confusion about how do you balance the scriptures of Romans 13 and 1 Peter 2 where it says that, you know, we're supposed to be good and gentle and, and, and insofar as governmental authorities do to abide by those things that are reasonable and aren't unreasonable. Well, let's talk about that a moment. Who's the ultimate voice in that? Is it not Jesus Christ? Did not Jesus Christ make it very clear for us and to the governmental authorities of that day that there's a higher authority? that reigns over the body of Christ that's God. And so, yes, we're not saying to withhold our taxes in protest. Somebody tried that once, by the way. Didn't work too well. We're not saying to do that. We're going to render unto Caesars what is Caesars. We're going to pay according to the laws of this land. But we're not going to yield the lordship of Jesus Christ to a government or to a person. And so the balance is this. Whenever a government, uh, no government has the right to try and suppress the kingdom of God. No government does. And when they do, the people of the kingdom of God need to choose whom shall they serve. And so we say we're serving the Lord Jesus Christ. And we need to make it very clear. The lines are being drawn. Beloved, let me say something to you. Where there is sin, grace abounds much. My heart is for everybody in the fear of the Lord that they would come to know Jesus Christ. But at the same time, I am not going to sit and accept. I'm not going to be quiet. And I'm not going to say that we should just tolerate that which is sinful, which is permeating our society, our schools, and trying to come through the doors of the churches. Transgender relationships are not of God. There's no place for them in the body of Christ. Homosexuality is not of God. There's no place for it in the body of Christ. Pastors should not be marrying men and men and women and women and genders and genders. They need to stop it. Grace is not what we legislate as we are those that pervert the word of God. Grace comes from God. And no one has the right to pervert that. And the churches and the pastors and the people of God need to come to conclusions in our lives right now and say, no more. No more. And yes, you're going to be persecuted. Isn't it interesting? You know, I've been, I've been preaching a little while now, and I've been preaching a form of this message as it grew since 1980. 1980. I thought about it, said, wow. I found some of my old notes. I said, wow. 
God put that fire in me when he first saved me. I expected these days to come. I've prophesied them to come. I've read what the prophets have said, what Isaiah has said, what Haggai has said, what Jesus has said, what Paul has said, what Peter has said. We've read them. They're true words, and here they are. They're coming upon us. And the people of God need to make a decision now. How will I stand in the world that is shaking? Because the world's going to keep shaking, beloved. It's not going to quit shaking. This isn't one-time thing with a COVID that goes away and everything comes back to the way it used to be. And that's why you see the enemy and the people that don't know God and that are lawless against the things of God. You see that force accelerating to try and get as much momentum as it can in the moment of a glimpse before people wake up and say no more again. Something's happened. A lot of people aren't going back to church even when they can because they just got familiar without going to church or they're afraid or they don't want to be called disrespectful. I shared with you, and, and I want to make an emphasis of this because this is how crazy it's gotten. My, my wife and, and, and Say Reese, they put something up to just... Uh, celebrate Sue Vitale, beautiful Sue Vitale. What a wonderful woman. How many of you know Sue? I mean, this is a treasure in the kingdom of God. This is a general in her own right. This woman doesn't have a foul bone in her body. She loves the Lord. She worships the Lord. She's dedicated her life to the Lord. And she's still mentoring people, and she's done beautiful tapestries unto the Lord. A, a wonderful woman of God. So they want to honor this person. How many of you know honor is the code of the kingdom of God? What you honor, you receive from. That's the Melchizedek blessing. That's why Abraham was so blessed, because he honored Melchizedek. Melchizedek didn't need his booty. Melchizedek, he came from, all we understand is he came from heaven somehow. He didn't need Abraham's bribe. But Abraham honored him, and because it did, it said he was blessed of the greater. And right after that, he began to walk into all the promises of God. And so honor is very important. We instill honor here. We honor other churches. We honor the leaders of other churches. We honor the memories of people because we understand that they've earned that honor and God is honored when we honor people. And those blessings flow. So they honor her. They honor Sue Vitale. They put it on Facebook. And wouldn't you know, somebody from Miami sends a nasty message to my wife. How dare you all come together without masks on? The picture was 20 years old. 20 years old. That's how stupid it is. People's identity now is mask, no mask. You're respecting people. You're disrespecting people. I'm going to fight you because you're wearing one. I'm not going to fight you because you are wearing one. It's like crazy. It's a masquerade, isn't it? It's a masquerade. But the mask is being torn off. And we're beginning to understand that we're in a fight in the body of Christ to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. That's the battle that we're in. And it's heating up. And God's people got caught suddenly. And I believe the Lord, he'll, he'll let things slow down a little bit so that we can catch up with who we're supposed to be. And that's what we're doing on Top Flight Tuesday nights. We're preparing to prepare the way. We're getting ourselves geared up. We're exposing what we need to know. We're getting ourselves ready, understanding we weren't ready. 
in March. We weren't ready. The body of Christ wasn't ready. It wasn't ready. But the body of Christ can be ready. And we also are beginning to understand that not everybody who calls himself a Christian is a Christian. And not everybody else who's in the body of Christ is going to be willing to stand up for the things of God and be persecuted. We have not yet had to bleed, as it said in Hebrews. We have not had to bleed unto sin as Christ did. Maybe we'll be called to. Maybe you're going to have to pay a price to assemble. Maybe then we're going to say, wow, we had it for free and we squandered it. Maybe you're going to have to be persecuted at the place of work or in the school place or wherever you're at because of your stand for God. Don't even try to think about the other things that are coming. They're coming. And they're not going to all be viruses. Not viruses, not medical scientific things. A lot of things are coming. Who would have thought we would have billions of dollars going to an organization to denuclearize the family? Who would have thought that? Who would have thought that would have been the thing that people were wearing on their shirts and their hats and their arms right now? Who would have thought that? Good intending people. A cause wrapped up in the wrong wrapper. More's coming. It's a theory and a spirit of delusion. You understand that. You know what delusion is. Delusion means that you are being dissolved from reality and that you're going to believe a lie. And what did God said? God said, I'm going to cast them out because they believe a lie. And God said that a spirit of lawlessness would come upon the earth. Isaiah talked about it. And God said he was going to destroy the people of the spirit of lawlessness. And he said the whole earth is guilty. Not a very good conviction by God. The whole earth is guilty. So as a body of human beings, the species is guilty of the lawlessness of God. And just like we receive deliverance from sin, we receive deliverance from that guilt only one way, through the blood of Jesus Christ. If we don't stand in Christ, then we stand with those who are guilty. Choose you now whom you shall serve. I'll give you scriptures with it if you would like. I'm just hitting a whole lot because I don't have a lot of time. Anytime a government authority gives regulations, regulating worship. Hmm? You see, they tested us with that one a few weeks ago. Well, you know, during worship and singing, you release more particles in the air. Yeah, it's called praise unto the Lord. That's what you release into the air. You think God didn't know that particles get released when you praise Him and worship Him? So don't do it. If you're coming together in church, don't praise and worship because when the people praise and worship out there, there's more particles in the air. And people didn't know what to do with that one. They sort of were quiet with it because scientifically, you know, Dr. Fauci, who he spins around like a top, he came out and said, well, yeah, I think that makes sense now. I think you should wear masks now. Don't worship. So we accepted that one, and now they're saying, don't assemble with too many people. And some of the test states are beginning to see how much more they can get away with. And who would have thunk that California would lead the path? Huh? It's going to come out of California, New York, or 
Hmm? Massachusetts, going to come out of one of those places. Oregon, oh, they're having a good time in Oregon, aren't they? Aren't they? How many days now of riding? Huh? There should be an exodus coming out of there. I think a lot of people from Oregon should come to Ohio. Just don't bring those crazy thinking with you when you come here. Leave it there. We've seen the lawlessness. We're seeing what it does. You see, I guess maybe I'm speaking out more than many people are used to a pastor speaking out, but I really don't care. I don't care. If you are there now in Oregon and you can't see what's going on in your state, something's wrong with you. You need the Lord. Besides the Lord, you know, as they would say in the old days, you need to go back behind the woodshed and get some sense beat into you. I mean, that's just common sense. Common sense, lawlessness, delusion. And now we see it in the streets of Jerusalem. They're mad because they have bills to pay. COVID is still going. They were sheltered in. They were stuck down. They want the prime minister to resign. They like the other guy maybe, but they don't know if they like him. They really don't know what they want. And believe it or not, there's even protests going on in the northern side of Russia right now. There where they hit them with a, with a, with a heavy hand and knock them down. And those poor brave people in Hong Kong have been just stripped of so much. The church is so persecuted. It was persecuted before in China. It's really bad now. They're paying a price for Jesus Christ. So, I have so much I could share with you. Beloved, there's only one entity in all of creation that has been anointed and appointed as the bride of Christ, and that's the body of Christ. We're the bride. We're the bride. We're the bride. And there's an enemy of your soul that is trying to destroy the bride of the Lord God himself. I thought of this, you know, when a government tries to prohibit a people from worshiping the Lord, singing songs unto God, it begins to impose something that's impossible for the people of God. Can you imagine that even Paul was allowed to sing in jail? It broke open the bars. But yet we have a free society protected by the First Amendment that's telling churches, don't have worship in your churches. I'm trying to make a point so it sinks in hard. I want you to understand how desperate it is. On your own, read in the book of Isaiah, chapter 24. Go through verses 1 and 6. You get down into verses 5 and 6, it says, The earth is polluted by its inhabitants, for they transgress laws. 
violated statutes, broke the everlasting covenant, therefore cursed devours the earth, and those who live in it are held guilty. How about the days of Noah and Lot? We were told they were eating, drinking, marrying, and giving in marriage, buying, selling, planting, and building, and did these things right up until the day that Noah entered into the ark. And the same with Lot when he was taken out of Sodom. The affections, the delusion, the lack of sensitivity to God. We see it rampant. We see it rampant here. Everything can be shaken. Everything will be shaken. Haggai chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, For thus says the Lord of hosts, Once more in a little while I am going to shake the heavens and earth, the sea also and the dry land. I will shake all the nations, and they will come with the wealth of the nations, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord God. Let's conclude with this. What is our standard of righteousness? This church spent eight to ten weeks last year just eating, receiving, in the Word of God, praying the righteousness of Christ. He who knew no sin was made sin that we might become the righteousness of God in him. We are understood and we, we've learned and have accepted and it's become part of who we are that, that we are the righteousness of God. What right is there for righteousness to be polluted with unrighteousness? There's none. We'll be discussing Tuesday night, if the Lord allows the altar of God again. He really let us understand that if we want to walk into our promises, we need to not only keep the altar of God fired and established in our lives, but that we need to be responsible at that altar of God. We can't come with unholy hands. I dwelled for the better part of yesterday on unforgiveness. And I was asking the Lord questions about why of all the things about the altar that Christ could have talked about. He said, when you come to bring your offering to the Father at the altar, lay it down, don't offer it. Go and make peace with somebody about unforgiveness goes one of two ways. You either ask them to forgive you or you forgive them. Usually you meet in between. And so we're those who love to be the righteousness of God, but something very mysterious happens. Even with the blood of Jesus, our mediator, even with the grace of God that saves, even with the scripture in Hebrews that says, come boldly, something happens. There's a pause a stop that comes with something when you're unholy at the altar of God. Just because we've been made the righteousness of God in Christ doesn't mean that we access through the altar being unholy. You get stopped. 
What does that mean? Prayers aren't answered. Children are lost. Relationships are broken. Promises are squandered and evaporate and disappear. Beloved, we're being called to a time like no other time on earth. We can't imagine what it was like in the days of Noah, but think about it. Noah, his family, they went into an ark, they escaped. Everybody else was destroyed rather quickly. Ours is a slow birth, birth pains. And we're feeling them and we're seeing them more. And they're going to increase with the coming of the Lord. And so we need to overcome. God's not going to destroy the earth the same way he did before. He's not going to make us a Sodom and Gomorrah example. Christ is going to return and then he'll take judgment and justice into his hands. But we are the ones called to stand. And I've apologized to the body of Christ, not for what I said, but what came out of people who were teaching a fallacy for too many years, the rapture theory. You're just going to go away and the rest of the world is going to suffer and you're going to be gone. You and the Jews <laughs> are going to be left with no Holy Spirit. Really? So here we sit. I don't hear as many of those people talking that way right now. You're here. You're going to be here. Christ will come in the clouds with his glory. You'll meet him then. But he's not coming back a third time. He's coming back one more time. And until then, we are in those birth pains beginning of the day of the Lord. Do a study on your own. Study the day of the Lord. See what it is. See how it comes. See what it does. Make your own decision with the help of the Holy Spirit. For me and my house, I announced to, to my wife, I'm going to have a sit down with my children. They're going to hear from their father. It's not going to be a debate. It's not for discussion. I'm going to tell them where we're at and what's coming. I believe this with all my fiber, all my heart. The good news, we've got all power. You have all power. The challenge, use it. What can happen if you don't? Destruction. This is not an enemy that plays fair. He's here to steal your soul, to steal your family, to steal your fatherhood, to steal your children, to steal your motherhood to steal everything that's decent and moral and ethical, to call good evil and evil good, to sow lawlessness and discord and injustice, to rise person against person and division against division, nation against nation. But there's an answer. The answer is that you've been born for this. You have a special anointing to overcome and to make it. 
but only one person can make that decision for you and that's you so you need to choose whom shall I serve and how shall I serve him we'll have our challenges we'll have our chances it'll become crystal clear the gray is not going to be gray too long for the body of Christ it's going to be light and it's going to be dark That's how it's coming. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the Word of God. We thank you, Lord, that we're not those who are now confused or surprised, that we can see clearly what it is that you've said would come and is come and is upon us. And Father, we don't understand the timing and we don't understand what everything is that's going to be released, but we do know more is coming. And Father, we thank you, Lord, that you strengthen us and that you let us have places of refuge, even as you've promised, even in the law that Christ has come to fulfill, places of refuge that are safe, safe for us and our families and our faith, even in the midst of the storm. Even as the psalmist cried out that even though the plague may come, that no plague should be able to touch us. And even though there would be fear in the night and terror in the night, that you would give us rest and calm throughout it and that the arrows that fly by day would not be able to pierce us. That no weapon that's formed against us can prosper. Father, you've given us so many promises. You've equipped us with so much, oh God. Let us be strong. Let us preserve our love and our compassion, our understanding. Allow us to have extreme grace, but Father, not grace that tolerates sin, but grace that would have us to pull back from sin. Father, only you know. Only you know the time and the hour. Only you, oh God, not even the Son. So here we sit in a quandary, Lord. Our quandary, Father, is don't allow us to be quiet, but don't allow us also to be offensive unto you. Help us, Father. Lead us, guide us, show us. And oh, my God, my God, put the fear of the Lord back into the house of God. Put it in the shepherds and in the pastors and the prophets and the apostles and the evangelists and the teachers. Father, a foundation needs to be reestablished of the fear of the Lord. Let us be those, Father, who fear you, who fear you and trust you and believe in all that you've given us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.